had to. The had to. The have to is what you use when you're afraid. Did he just say funky butt loving? It's the pool scene podcast. Coming back at you on the mound. I'm Kevin blessed to be joined by youth league MVP, Jim Henry. You got to have the Hey nows. Hey now. Yeah. The hey now in the past few weeks before we did a, a nineties music draft, a fast act spoiler cast, and we did a sports movie about a draft this week, straight up sports movie with a guy from draft day in it. Yes. Yes. Albeit this one's a little ridiculous. We're going to be talking 1993 sports comedy rookie of the year. (laughs) The logic killer rookie of the year. Maybe that had something to do with this was directed by Daniel Stern. Now give me the good stuff who also stars in the movie. He's currently working on a movie, but this is the only film thus far to be directed by Daniel Stern. He was actually inspired to direct. Did you know this? No. He was actually inspired to direct after working on Home Alone because this movie deals with kids who have to deal with fame and who have lives controlled by adults. Interesting, all right? So basically this movie exists because of Macaulay Culkin and his relationship with his father. He had to have reached out to Macaulay Culkin to be in this, Oh, we're going to talk about that. Okay. We're getting to that. So cover your ears if you don't want to hear this, but if you're a moderate sports fan, you'll know it to be true anyhow. Most sports movies do not shoot in accurate locations. Oh, we know this for Major League. Exactly. For example, in Major League, the Cleveland home games were actually filmed in the Brewers Stadium in Milwaukee. So infuriating. In this movie, they shot mostly everything on location. With the exception of the Dodgers, the Dodgers games were shot at Comiskey, where the White Sox played. So stupid. So I don't know why, but most of them filmed in Wrigley, the whole whole deal. Jim, I think the pool sceners may be surprised by the budget to box office ratio for this one, but please give us those numbers along with news and number ones at time of release. Get ready for the sports anomaly. WUAB Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. Rookie of the Year came out July the 9th, 1993, and here is the sports anomaly. $10 million budget made $57 million at the box office. Normally, you guys know out there, all you pool seniors, every time we've done a sports movie, Draft Day, for instance, $25 million budget, $29 million at the box office. Normally, it's at a break-even point, numbers-wise. Now, we're talking, you know, actors' contracts, everything else. You totally are not making anything on it. This, they made money surprisingly shocking where they make money every weekend 1993 or as the cool kids used to call it 1993 you went to blockbuster video and here are your top rentals for the weekend I'm pretty sure that was a player in this movie. He played for the Cubs. Top Reynolds. I love Top Reynolds. There were some amazing names in this movie, like Hedo or Hedo. Yes. Who was the atypical steroid poster oh, child. We're going to talk about Hedo. 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 That's right. Whatever. Hedo the pedo. That dude. Oh, he has God. no first or last name. He's just Hedo. This is CNN Breaking News. Pool Sceners editing Jim here. I got some contentious breaking news. Now, I don't know if it's bullshit or what, but according to FanDuel, Hedo 
His first name is Alejandro. His nickname is Butch. So he's Alejandro Butch Hito. Why in the hell would you want to give him a first name and a nickname? His last name is Hito. It's awesome enough. CNN breaking news. He also has no Wikipedia link, which that's always never a the good sign. The dude is like eight and a half feet tall he and is. he weighs 500 pounds. He's insanely large. And he can't hit a 15 mile an hour floating ball. No, love it. So at Blockbuster, Kevin, we have this on a list. It's been on our list for a long time. We'll have to cover it eventually, maybe in the wintertime. Aspen Extreme, Forever Young, the Mel Gibson cryogenic movie, which pilot fucking weird. And then we've brought this up, a hidden gem of the 90s, John Goodman in Matinee. Yeah. What a great movie. Involves the Cuban Missile Crisis, drive-in theater, really good stuff. Now, Kevin, I want to do something different this week. I want to add something. I came across this book at a flea market. It is the Late Night with David Letterman book of top 10 lists. Nice. And this is very, very, very dated. I love it. So we got some good ones here. So right now, I'm going to give you the top 10 ways to make George Herbert Walker Bush, the president of the United States, more exciting. Oh. And this is all most relevant we're in the same time number 10 kill a man with his bare hands on network television number nine divorce barbara marry 13 year old cousin number eight stick his tongue in sam donaldson's ear during his press conference number seven disappear into the alaskan wilderness with rosanna arquette return with necklace made of beer teeth beer teeth bear teeth damn it I want to have a beer teeth. I'm drunk. That sounds like a good band. Well, speaking of beer, number six, change campaign slogan from Bush in 88 to party with the Bushmeister. Number five, answer questions on Meet the Press with I'm too drunk to remember. Apparently, Bush must have had some sort of drinking incident in 88 or 89 that I'm unfamiliar with. Number four, have him bend standing microphone into a pretzel shape. Give to cub reporter as souvenir. Number three, nickname him George the Sexecutioner Bush. What does that even come from? What I couldn't imagine George Herbert Walker Bush as a sex symbol guy. Number two, start hanging with Earth, Wind, and Fire. And the number one, top 10 ways to make George Bush more exciting. Shorter speeches, tighter pants. There you go. That was your top 10 list from David Letterman, one of the best of all time. Now, on to the news. The Pizza Hut blimp deflates and lands safely on West 56th Street in New York City. We were at the quarters of Rescue Company 1, myself and Master Firefighter Billings, and we had reports of a blimp coming down. Many people came running down the street and said, uh, large blimp. We looked up, we saw a very large uh, Pizza Hut blimp heading towards this direction, which time we proceeded to our vehicles, came to West 53rd Street uh, between 9th and 10th, and uh, witnessed just a large balloon into a building. Can you imagine you're just parked there or you're in a taxi on West 56 and all of a sudden there's a Pizza Hut blimp that just fucking crash landed in the middle of the street. First off, no idea they even had a Pizza no. Hut blimp. I know of one blimp and it's the Goodyear one. Yeah. 
not the Pizza Hut blimp. I'm assuming wow. this is the last time there was ever a Pizza Hut blimp. It wasn't like the Hindenburg. It didn't a, fucking blow that up. That was a Zeppelin, though, right? That's the same thing. Blimp is a Zeppelin. Is it? Is there's not a differentiation between? I don't know if it, maybe it's a Zeppelin, if it's like a passengers that ride on it, like people, know. you know, I don't know, like people. What else are going to be? A fucking <laughs> dog? Chimpanzees. Yeah, chimpanzee. NBC Television awarded the 1996 Atlanta Olympic coverage for $456 million. Probably adjusted for inflation now. That's $8 trillion. I have no idea. We mentioned this in the pre-show, but here in 1993, very interesting. The first known reference to Y2K is published in Computer World magazine within an article by a Canadian software specialist titled Doomsday 2000. Nice. Do you remember the crazy shit that everybody went through? Oh my God, we're going to lose all our money. The computers are going to kill us all like it's Skynet for some reason. And now in actuality with all this AI, because we are in an AI craze currently, Skynet's going to happen, everybody. Just prepare for the inevitability oh, yeah. yes. that Judgment Day is upon us all. Video games, still a hot thing. The new Zelda game, very great. The time that I have had to play with it because life gets in the way. But at the time, your top five best-selling video game systems were... Number five, the Sega CD. Number four, the Sega Game Gear. Number three, the Nintendo Game Boy. Number two, the SNES. And the number one home system in 1993 July, the Sega Genesis. We're almost getting to that 32-bit era, and you need the top games to go with that, Kevin. So your number one games for the NES were Kirby's Adventure, the number one for SNES, Super Mario Kart, then X-Men for Sega Genesis, which was awesome. Yeah. And then, don't forget about the Sega CD, my favorite video game system, Final Fight CD, Game Boy, had Super Mario Land 2, and for Game Gear, I had a Game Gear, I liked it, you put six batteries in it, lasted 20 minutes, <laughs> but you played Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on it. Whoa. Color. Hey, there's an easier way to get color. Get a Game Gear, the full color portable with over 150 games, like the new Echo, Mortal 2, and Sonic Triple Trouble. Sega! Do you ever have a Game Gear at all? Or? No, but I remember playing them. I remember a friend of mine that had one. I remember him like being like, you ever play a Game Gear? And I'm like, whoa. Because it was a color screen. Yeah, because like Game Boy, uh, you know, don't, please don't send your hate to me, but yeah. it's not a good system. It's not. It's, it's hard a, to see. It's a fun novelty now. It's a novelty. Yeah. But it's like, it's just, it did not look great. But then you see a Game Gear and it was like. A whole new world. It was awesome. And the funny thing is though, the Atari Lynx was the first one to have the color screen but it's sega yeah but i remember as a kid and i still have mine upstairs i had the tv tuner so i was like oh my god i could watch tv not at home the coolest thing ever it's so crazy because when you think about like the you know handheld systems traditionally like the sony psp is actually awesome ahead of its time ahead of its time i mean the format was not great because i can no, remember umd breaking open the umd pla yeah. the plastics yeah the psp was awesome and you could mod them oh yeah so there was like if you got a modded psp it was the coolest thing but then it just nobody cared it and then was, they got the vita which was even better uh -huh. but once again sony just did not care and just let it go to waste what a shame that was good stuff i mean why not and see those are like whereas we were kids if you find a game boy now you could buy it and play game boy games oh yeah but can you buy a psp now or is like the software brick 
I mean, you can, but you got to watch now. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, can I just buy a PSP from a pawn shop or a thrift store? And it's probably completely like overpriced. Oh, and there's yeah. There's no I'm reason sure for it to be. insane, but it should be like 40 bucks. I thought it was cool. I remember at the time I had like a couple UMD movies. I'm like, this is pretty fucking I, cool. I'm going to get me a, I'm going to get me a, so actually, fuck it. Somebody send me one. Yeah. God damn it. Come on. No, we're popular. What are, we, what are we on here for if I have to buy my own PSP? Hey, guys, we're this is the pool scene podcast. It is the PSP. Exactly. So somebody send me a PSP. Guys, we're slowly approaching our 200th episode. I think a 200th gift for both of us. Yeah. Kevin wants a PSP. Give me a Game Boy Advance SP, the Nintendo Classic Edition. I've always wanted to send those to us. We love you guys. (laughs) And sports. George, what's your favorite? Did you like PSP up there? Did you like SP? Did you like Lynx? SP is not a suppressive person. That's a Scientology thing, though, kids. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. I had to select this because I'm a big cycling fan. Tour de France champion Miguel Indurain makes it three in Indurain? a row. Indurain? I-N-D-U-R-A-I-N. So it's Miguel Indurain. Great fucking. Miguel Indurain. God, that sounds like a rapper. Great name. He wins his third straight tour title because you have the yellow jersey for the winner the green jersey which is a, a sprint winner they get the most points per stage one of the greatest names not just in cycling but all of sports jamaldine up do jopper off wow fucking great name i believe representing kazakhstan was the green jersey winner the number one movie in america is one of these movies that i feel like i should watch that i never have it's a tom cruise movie speaking of scientology the firm yeah have you ever seen the firm i have I, I know I have it. I'm a big Rainmaker fan with Matt Damon. We're just talking about the firm because isn't Busey in it? I think he is. Yeah, Busey's in it. They have to. And the number one song in America. Janet Jackson. A very just smooth R&B song from Janet Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. And that's all that was going on July 1993. All right. Tagline for Rookie of the Year. A kid with an impossible dream. All he needed was a lucky break. Kind of like that one. hey Cheeky. Yeah. Let's wind up into the plot. Henry Rowengartner. Rosenberger. That's my favorite one out of yeah. all the fuck ups. What the, and then he gets it right and he says, what did he call me? Yeah. Henry Rowengartner is a little leaguer who sucks. sucks. <laughs> he sucks. You owe me a Coke. He sucks at baseball, but he wants to play in the major league someday. Don't we all? After what we'll call a little league <laughs> mishap. Radial fractures of the ulna. Assorted rotator cartilage damage. How long will he have to be in the cast? August, minimum. Oh, no. August? That's like four months. Henry has to take it easy. I want those bones to set correctly. This is going to be a great summer. My fucking favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) Henry breaks his arm trying to catch a fly ball at school when his classmates are teasing him over that Little League mishap. Weeks later, when removing the cast, the doctor discovers that Henry's tendons have healed too tight. And he now basically has a superhero arm. Can't wait till logic. (laughs) (laughs) Henry goes with his friends to a Chicago Cubs game at Wrigley against... The Montreal Expos. Yeah! Or as I should say, Montreal. Le Québécois. Henry's friends are lucky enough to get a home run ball, but Wrigley has a tradition to throw back home run balls hit by the opposing team. They give the ball to Henry to throw, but due to his tight arm, he throws a rope from the outfield stands 
to home plate or about 435 feet. How are we gonna find him? Sir, this Henry is just a child. What do you mean a child? What, what do you mean a child? A child. He's a little short young person. He's 10, 11 years old. Take this business very seriously. If you are joking, I swear. You're gonna end up selling wieners in the nosebleed section. I'm not joking, sir. Really, this Henry's just a kid. A kid? The general manager sees a publicity stunt to help the attendants and wants to sign Henry to a contract. Even better when he finds out he's a kid. Yeah. Henry signs with the Cubs and for the rest of the season has to adjust to not only being a child professional baseball player, but playing on the same team as his hero, aging pitcher Chet Rocket Stedman. Love it. I'm a, I'm Henry's mom. Hi, Henry's mom. Oh, so, sorry. It's Mary. I'm Mary. I'm Mary. I'm Chad. I know. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks for whatever you said to him out there. He's a good kid. You must have a heck of a mom. Henry is a child of a single mother named Mary, who does her best to keep Henry grounded through all of this. Meanwhile, Mary's boyfriend and the Cubs general manager want to further exploit Henry. This fucking guy. Henry gives up a home run in his first appearance against Mets slugger, just called Hato. Fucking greatest dude ever. <laughs> like he's a Brazilian soccer player. Yeah. Never get a first name for Hato. Henry gets a save anyhow and then continues to improve under the tutelage of Chet Stedman. The Cubs are starting to win as Henry Henry improves and his fame is growing, but his friends resent his fame, his middle school or high school, whatever they are. Briefly. Yes. <laughs> just for a brief. moment. Mary breaks up with her boyfriend because he tries to get Henry traded to the Yankees. Mary. Get out of my house. I never want to see you near us again. Well, you're going to be seeing me. You're going to be seeing a lot of me because we're moving to New York together. What? Henry's been sold to the Yankees. They sold me? You can't do that. Of course I can. I'm the manager. I make the decisions! He is my son! He's my client! What? You are nuts! I brought in Reebok! I brought in Pepsi! Stay away from him! He's half mine! Henry patches things up with his friends, but decides to retire at the end of the season, citing the reason of being a fucking child. <laughs> And the Yankees deal was never authorized by the owner, who's also sad to see Henry go. In this universe, if the Cubs win the division, they go to the World Series. Yeah, right off the bat. They face the Mets on the last game of the season in a must-win scenario. Stedman pitches and basically blows out his arm. Henry comes on in relief, and in a scene I'm sure we'll talk about later, Henry slips on a baseball oh, God. and, like, reverse breaks his arm. So he basically unbreaks his heart. A fucking a white ball in green grass. You're going to yeah, but he's looking it. back. I don't know. Basically, his two tight tendons. Your t-shirts are too tight, too, Billy. <laughs> Basically, his, his two tight tendons have been. I love that name. Too, too tight, tight Tony. Tendon. They've been loosened up, and now he's back to having just normal tendons. He's back to sucking. Without Henry's ability to throw heat, he intentionally walks the first batter, but then uses the schoolyard hidden ball trick to get the runner out. Henry intentionally walks. The next batter, who he dares to steal and then tags him out. Finally, Henry must face Hato. Remember me, Chet? Oh, my God. Holy goosebumps. 
Henry throws what is called a changeup for the first pitch, but Hato swings too early, not expecting something slow. Next pitch, Hato goes baseball simulator 1000 for NES. Oh, great game. And hits the ball into space, but it's foul. So with two strikes, Henry peels a piece of tape off his glove that reveals he's been using his mom's glove. She was a pitcher. Mom? It was you? It was me. He looks at her in the stands and she tells him, float it, just float it. He throws an underhand floater to Hato, who whiffs with a huge overswing. The Cubs win the division and are going to the World Series. Fast forward to next spring, or I assume spring, summer, yeah. whatever. Henry is playing Little League. His mom now dates Chet Stedman. Who's the head coach? And they coach his Little League team together. In the outfield, Henry robs a home run, and while celebrating, his World Series ring is revealed to the camera. So cast Thomas Ian Nicholas as Henry Rowengartner. The studio wanted to Daniel Stern to leverage his past to get Macaulay Culkin to play Henry. All right. Macaulay Culkin's father, read about that sometime, chose to put him in The Good Son instead. Which is a fucking good movie. It's all right. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. The studio uh, then wanted Daniel Stern to recruit his Wonder, Yard, Wonder Years co-star. <laughs> Joe Pesci. Fred Savage. Oh, okay. Fred wanted to take a break from acting. I can't buy Fred Savage in Rookie of the Year. No. I can't buy Macaulay Culkin in Rookie of the Year. You know who I could have bought? Austin O'Brien from uh, Last yeah, Action Hero. I could see that. He yes. just did My Girl 2. Yeah, he's in My Girl 2. I yeah. can see that. Gary Busey is Chet Rocket Stedman. So weird. Based on Roger Clemens. Amy Morton as Henry Rowan Gardner. Patrick. Wait, did you say Amy Morton as Henry Rowan Gardner? <laughs> <laughs> so she took Henry up. Rowan she played Gardner. both roles, the mom and the he kid. He quit. So <laughs> she's Mary Rowan Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Lebrec as George. You'll recognize him again we, we teased this last week he's in like heavyweights yeah. and some other stuff robert high gorman as clark bruce altman as jack bradfield dan hadaya as larry fish fisher fucking everything he's in everything albert hall as sal martinella eddie bracken as bob carson roy wally daniel stern as phil brickma i love that brick uh, not brickman brickma missing an end tom milanovich as hato Fucking love. Not in anything. No Wikipedia link. <laughs> Neil Flynn is Stan Oakey, also in everything. W. Earl Brown is Billy Frick, who yeah. is draft day. Kevin, don't forget about Julie the Cat Gaffney. Col- Colom Jacobson is Becky Fraker. That's a name. John Candy was uncredited. He played Cliff Murdoch. And then as themselves, 140-pound Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Pedro Guerrero. Bobby Bonilla is probably still getting money from this movie. I think he is. On top of his Mets yeah. contract. Barry Bonds, yeah, is, is a third of his size. It's crazy so and he still would have been a hall of famer yeah he wouldn't have been the home run king no. but he'd be a hall of famer which actor actress gets past poor performance does any non-lead character steal scenes hato potato <laughs> it is hato dude that, that dude, dude he's on screen twice yes each time uh, he just is the fucking captain charisma the shit out of each scene he's in hey kid you got nothing i know it and you know it you're mine. 
I've never seen a guy so big who is perfect for and this okay. is pre juice. I have this in logic, but we've plenty of logic, so I can bring yeah. it up here. I thought it was ogre. He when does I was look kid, like Donald Gibb. I thought it was Donald Gibb. I did not like I'm I just thought I thought it was ogre. I thought it was like because this was six, seven years after yeah. the last time I had seen Donald Gibb because it would have been after Revenge of the Nerds after two. Revenge of the Nerds two, blood sport, yeah. nerds one. So like I'm like, oh maybe he just got thicker. I'm like, but that's ogre. Yeah. It's I'm not under, ogre. It would strike me odd if they didn't reach out for Donald Gibb for this role. Because that's, yeah. Because he's known, but they got, what's his name again? Tom Milanovic. I almost said Todd Marinovich, the former Todd NFL. Todd Marinovich. <laughs> former NFL draftee. Hato is so fucking cool. I oh, hope. he's great. Now, let me preface this. We don't know his background. I don't know if he got into some weird shit. All right, let's see if we can find I want to make sure before I give this guy Tom any more Milanovich. praise. Because if it's wrong, I'm going to have to edit this out of the podcast. <laughs> Three movies. He played a state trooper in Groundhog Day. All right. He's in some other stuff, but Groundhog Day, he would stick out as the a state trooper in his size. He didn't just deflate in a year. He did some stunt work in movies. Okay. No priors or a, a record. He died. Oh, in 2003. 10 years after this. Yeah, he died. He was, yeah. Couldn't have been that old. No, he was born in 53. So that made him 50. Wow. Or 49. He was 49 at the time of his death. Whatever was a heart attack. I wonder if it was roids because he was fucking huge. I mean, but he wasn't huge like a bodybuilder. He was like. Uh, uh, no, he just stuck out being a baseball player being yeah, that Yeah, he was enormous. Um. He was at, yeah, he Paul just, Bunyan looking motherfucker. He looked weird when he was not in this though. He looked like, oh, so he's a power lifter. I see. Okay. He could have been an American gladiator. Like seriously, he had the girth. So look at him in this picture. All right, go ahead. We can edit this out, but like, look yeah. at this picture. Doesn't even look like the same guy. No, that doesn't look like the same guy at all. That's nuts. Yeah. Super weird. Best character in the movie. Hato. Yeah. Hato. He just, great. he fucking eats up every opportunity he gets. I would be so excited if I was Hato hearing John Candy go, Oh no, it's Hato. It's like, Whoa. Awesome. We need a Hato jersey. Okay. Hato first or last name. Gotta be a last name. It's a baseball. I thing. think it's probably short for something. I think Hato's probably a nickname. Like his Hato, pro his name's probably Tom Hadonovich or something. Well, we probably have to suspend disbelief because this is a movie so i mean the one fucking player for the pitcher for the dodgers last name was like tom oh, joy yeah, or something i think like i get into it later because he yeah. has a very strange name so they had strange names but i don't think the mlb is ever or maybe they will because they did those special jerseys where everybody can wear their nicknames and stuff like that oh, mlb had a guy named strawberry so it's a good point yeah all yeah. right let's uh let's move on to what we'll call best scenes but essentially our favorite scenes yeah i would say so so my first First one right off the bat chronologically and it I don't know if this is a favorite scene but it's a scene that stuck out to me and I even forgot about this from when I was younger when I saw this so this happens in near the beginning of the movie when Henry's mom Mary acknowledges his friends at the beginning she seems annoyed at George like hey George but was almost very Stacy's mom esque when she was like yeah hi Clark <laughs> hey not so fast where do you think you're going mom hello George hello Clark like what why did yeah, she what happened with her and Clark? What was the inflection of the voice saying? There's a couple things in this movie that you can almost read into when you're paying attention. I believe that Henry's mom is milfy. She's a milf. Yeah. I think she's very attractive. She knows how to kick the shit out of a guy. She decked. What's his Jack brick. What's his name? Brickma. <laughs> Not a Brickma. The, her boyfriend who just seemed to become a manager. Uh, he's the worst. I got a lot of logic about that fucking he's guy. The worst. I want to know, did something happen between like not, I know this is a family movie, yeah. but there's no reason for her to go. 
Uh, hey, Clark. Uh, so here's another scene that I have that plays off of that. So they have this bizarre, what I will call pennant fever party where they all go to this party in a oh, club yeah. and it's like the whole team, the owner, everyone. The owner, Mr. Duncan from Home Alone 2. Wa- Roy Wally. He has a girl that's basically grinding against him and like yeah. dancing in front of him and he's kind of like doing like the little like older man. The like, old man like dance. He's not engaging while but he, she's yeah. grinding on him and I'm like it made me so uncomfortable. Because, like, imagine seeing, like, your grandfather or your, if you're older, your father. Imagine, like, going to a strip club and seeing your father, like, like getting a dance from a girl or something. Because it's Mr. Duncan from Home Alone. (laughs) To me, he's Roy Wally. Yeah, I don't like Vacation. But you think he came? (laughs) (laughs) He he had to come. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. I would if I was his age. It's just weird because, like, it's a two-second thing, but I'm like, I don't like that. It was a two-second thing. It was a two-second thing. I don't like that at all. I don't like the girl. And I'm like, why is she there? She's grinding on the owner. It's weird. (laughs) The whole thing's weird in general that they're having this pennant fever party. Speaking of fevers and hotness, my next one is Brickma's Hot Ice. Key to being a big league pitcher is the three R's. Readiness. Recuperation, conditioning. You see, after the game, a lot of guys like to ice up their arm. Still other fellas think that heat is the way to go. But I have discovered the secret, Henry. Hot ice. That's right, hot ice. I heat up the ice cubes. It's the best of both worlds. Hot ice. Hot ice. Make the ice warmer. That fucking talk. Like Daniel Stern hits this role perfectly. He's just an idiot. Who are we to assume that he took a ball to the head and he just decides to follow around? Yes, that's what he says. Did they literally say it was a ball? Well, he didn't say to the head, but he said I beamed him. Okay. And he's been following me around ever since. But he's but I think the implication is I beamed him in the head. And, and I feel bad. Yeah. And he's trying to encourage Henry because, I mean, psychologically, he's the same age as a 12-year-old. So he's right there with Henry. But then he goes into all these things Henry should do. And he brings up the fact that, you know, make a uh, aching body feel good. Instead of ice, you warm it up. And he goes, hot ice. <laughs> and then you look at his fucking teammates overhearing this like Chet and the manager. Just the look on their face like, did he just fucking talk? about melting ice and calling it hot ice. ice. I have Henry's first and only at bat that we see. Oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god, 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 oh my god. You almost killed him, you stupid mother of God in heaven. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. You big ugly piece of shit! The pitcher Henry faces, I think this is what we were talking about earlier. I think his name is Tregoraw. That's it, it is Tregoraw. It's Tregoraw. What an idiot. He's like a fat. 58 year old dude you know who he reminds me of in major league eddie harris yeah but fatter but fatter and older yeah fatter and older older. he looks terrible yeah henry taunts the pitcher into throwing like a wild pickoff throw and then henry does it again before scoring from second on a hit and i think they're henry almost gets called out because like 
Does the dude ever pass him on the base path? No, because he keeps he pushing him forward. He keeps pushing him. And he, oh, yeah, because he says, this is fast as I can go, mister. Yeah, Suarez. Whatever he says. Yeah, yeah, Suarez. So, yeah, so Henry scores. But it's just, it couldn't be the only time that Henry bats, but we it's the only time we see that Henry gets to have an at-bat. And fucking Henry doing the, and I did this when I played Little League Baseball, you know, year, hit, pitch, year, pitch, throughout this whole movie, I'm like, this fucking annoying. And I wish Stedman would have beamed him in the fucking I So (laughs) I'm inappropriate because I want to be like, pitcher's got gonorrhea. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) just not even like just, I fucked your wife. (laughs) Just something random from a 12 year old kid. I need a buddy cut movie between Hato and Tregoraw. Cause that sounds like a fucking eighties cut movie. Hato and Tregoraw is totally like, cause like Hardcastle and McCormick. You had these fucking cop shows, Hato and Tregoraw. I swear to God, if that guy had a wife or he was dating and if he never looked at her and said, Hey baby, you want to go Tregoraw? Seriously. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, watch our Side podcast, doing the Traeger Raw podcast, Traeger Raw style. <laughs> So my next one, and I brought it up briefly at the beginning. Have to, have to, have to. What are you doing out here? What, what am I supposed to do? Deal from your have to. My my what? My, my what? What you, the have to? Are you are you speaking English? The have to is what you use when you're afraid. Okay. Okay, you got it. Listen to me. Okay. Everybody is half win and half lose. Okay. The lose half is afraid. Right. The winning half is fearless. Fearless, right. The have to is inside. It's where the fear lives. Oh, okay. Okay? Could you start over again? Oh, let's play ball! The have to. Let's see. The have to. What the heck was I talking about? What the heck was he talking about? Initially, Chet is vehemently against it. He's like, I don't want to fucking babysit this kid. You know, yeah. I'm near the end of my career. I just want to enjoy what I'm well, doing Chet now. Chet goes from being like a dick. I still, well, a dick and being like, I still got it to realizing really quickly, like, uh, I'm, I'm done. done. But he goes from fucking dick to dad. Yeah. Which, well, that's it. <laughs> Never mind, Tregoron. The manager of the Cubs tells Chet, you need to go out there and talk to the kid because let's look at Henry's scoring line, right? His first his first appearance ever. You have a home run, hit by pitch, wild pitch, somehow gets a save. So he is completely flustered. He goes out there and just gives him this whole amount of bullshit about gotta have, have to, you have to do that. I can't remember specifically yeah. the semantics of it, but he talks about you have to do this, you have to do this. And as he's walking away from the out he's like have to what the and he didn't say yeah what the heck was i talking about and henry's like what the heck was he talking about which why not say hell he says shit yeah right yells shit so there's a good scene with mary not henry mary when she hits her head on the light yeah it's when i think it's when henry's at bat she hits her head on the light you can actually see her say shit yeah because that's a real take she actually hit her head okay they kept it in and they kept it in and you see her say shit but the adr like shoot or like but it was really good when Chet does say shit later at Henry's at yeah. bat because it finishes her line. But yes, I have to. Yeah. Just like Busey had to do this movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. My speaking of Busey, my last scene, I lulled at this one. I had all the lulls that I had to get out of my system when in the now there's some questions I have about this final game of the season. If you win the division, you just go to the World Series and it's because there's that means there's only one division. That's it. There's one. There's one universe. And so if you win the division, you go to the World Series. Are there any stakes for the Mets? 
like do <laughs> other not. than just knocking out you're done the cubs but like the mets aren't playing for the division are they so i don't think so they don't explain any of that but chet stedman's pitching after being told by the general manager so mary's boyfriend what up is getting jealous because chet stedman dances with henry's mom at the bizarre pennant fever party weird pennant fever party the pennant fever party she Mary dances with Chet Stedman. Yeah. Henry's mom's boyfriend gets jealous, tells the general manager as part of the Yankees trade that Chet Stedman can't play anymore. He wants Chet Stedman gone. Fucking have so much logic about this guy. But so he wants Chet Stedman gone. So the general manager tells, or maybe it's the owner, whoever it is, tells Chet Stedman, I'm shutting you down for the rest of the season. It was the GM who was forcing his hand on the manager. Yeah. Yeah. So the... He shuts Chet Stedman down. So Chet hasn't presumably been playing. You don't nope. know what how much time passes. But then the general manager or the, the I'm sorry, the club manager tells Chet, you got the ball today. You're pitching. So Chet, it seemed like an act of defiance. Yes. Yeah, yeah it really did. Him. So Chet pitches at some point. So I, I just love the drama. This movie's so ridiculous oh, and it's silly. Great. But like the manager tells Chet from the dugout. Chet, I'm going to take you out. One more. No! Give me one more. One more! I'm taking you out! Because he's getting rocked. He's getting rocked. And Chet goes, one more. And he's like so, he's like just one more. On the verge of a breakdown. It's so dramatic so then as Chet's trying to get this last batter out he full on like blows his arm like full on he can't full, even throw the ball full on blows his arm out but the part that made me lol is every time that he hurts his arm there's this like whammy bar guitar solo sound <laughs> because there's it's not it doesn't appear anywhere else in the movie it reminds me of like a murtaugh theme song yeah it's just like yeah every time it's like like every time his hit that whammy bar it's like power rangers it stuff. is it's like every time he can't throw yeah they just like whammy bar sound effect i just love because it's just so random it's not anywhere else in the movie it's just we have a sound effect for chad sedman blown shoulder i also love the fact that he is standing so close to the catcher he can't just underhand the ball yeah. with his other arm no he has to go full out dead sprint to try to tag yes. the runner out oh yeah who's not going that fast to begin no. with i got one more and it's kind of like a wholesome moment it's where his mom, after she decks Jack, sits Henry down and says, When I was a teenager, Mom, I know about Dad. What? I know that he left you when you were pregnant with me. How did you know that? Grandma told me when I was in second grade. Why didn't you tell me? Because... I thought you liked telling me stories about him. About how he was a great baseball player and all. Henry, I'm sorry. I just wanted you to have someone you could look up to. I do. Well, she decked him because he said something about Henry's dad, who's never been in the picture. Yeah. And she's led Henry to believe that, you know, he was a great guy. He was he loved baseball. And that's why you love baseball. Sits him down and says, hey, honey, there's things to know about your dad. And I need to be honest with you. He's like, mom. 
I know about dad. I've known this whole time. Grandma told me. And it's just a wholesome moment because his mom realizes he's growing up. Yeah. And it's just the look in her eyes and the way they interact. It's just a nice, wholesome, yeah. absolute moment after she just fucking dropped that prick. Oh, it's awesome. With one punch. Yeah. She punches him and he, he goes out the door. Punch out style. Yeah. Like legs, like piston Honda, legs yeah. kicking out. Weep, 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 yeah. Weep. Straight back. Through the door, down the steps. And he cried. And he cried. Well, in this one, there's there's a lake. There's a lake on a boat that they should have carbon monoxide poisoning from. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of the pool. Hey, Ruin Sugar, get in the game. All right. We are going to draft cinema's most famous chets. Uh, Chet from Weird Science. Chet Stedman. We know any others. John Candy played Chet Ripley. There you go. The Great Outdoors. There's three. We just did it. Chester Ogle. Oh, yeah. Chet's Chaz, though. Yeah, it's Chaz. He could be Chet. Yeah. So so we have two draft picks each. We're done. Back in the pool. Uh, (laughs) We are doing doing the... Now, follow me on this. It's not that complicated. Top five movies that feature someone from the Rookie of the Year cast. So now you think this would be easy, but when you start to look past Thomas Ian Nicholas and at the filmographies of Gary Busey, Daniel Stern, John Candy, Dan Hedaya, Neil Flynn, Albert Hall, Bruce Altman, Amy Morton, you end up seeing a lot of great movies. And I actually had to leave a few favorites off my list. So again, doesn't have to be all from one actor, could be all from one actor, just top five movies of anyone that appeared in Rookie of the Year. So Jim, you went first on best scenes. I'll go first. Number five for me, Magnolia had Neil Flynn as Daniel Hill. So okay. Paul Thomas Anderson's passion project from 2000. Over the last few years, I've mentioned it on here a couple of times. Tom Cruise gives an all-time performance as Frank T.J. Mackey, which got him an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Jim, quick tangent. All right. Tom Cruise did not win. Here's who he was up against. And I'll ask you if you could tell me who won based on these nominees. So Tom Cruise did not win. Michael Caine for Cider House Rules. Michael Clark Duncan for Green Mile. Haley Joel Osment for Sixth Sense. And Jude Law for Talented Mr. Ripley. It was MCD, right? Michael Clark Duncan? It was not. Oh. It was my cocaine. Oh. Sit down in a chair. Have a chair. That was my Michael Caine. My cocaine. This is Michael Caine. Uh, (laughs) I've seen all of those movies. Cruise should have won. Really? Yeah, I think Tom Tom Cruise is like pre-incendiary. I think I only saw the Green Mile out of all that. Well, I saw it six cents. Yeah. Yeah. Cider House Rules is always fun to me because it's like the Cider House Rules. Motherfucker. But that's not what it's about. It's like the rules of the Cider House. See, I was fine with like M. Night with that and Unbreakable. Then I was like, I'm done with this. That fucking Dave Bautista movie, though. I thought, okay, pretty good. So I liked it. And then I read the synopsis of the book and found out how much they changed. Completely different. Completely changed it. And I'm like, that's fine. Hey, I'm, I, I get you changed it, but you didn't need to because no. I think the way the book ended was better. Still, I, Dave Batista is just really good. I think he's underrated. So my number five, I'm picking Clueless, Dan Hedaya, playing Cher's dad, yeah. playing like the perfect role. Like That's her, my number four. So that's okay. perfect. It's my next pick. Just the fact that his daughter is super bougie, gets everything she wants. He's a well, rich guy. Iconic 1995 teen movie. I've seen yeah. it a thousand times. 
thousand times. It added words to the lexicon. Yes. Dan Hadaya played Cher's dad, Mel, who's yeah. like a big lawyer. Yeah. Like a big shot lawyer. Oh, yeah. Clueless had a weird TV spinoff series. Yeah. Where did. like a lot of the cast came back, which is like not a good sign for them as actors. Everybody except Alicia Silverstone. Right. Basically. Basically everyone but Alicia Silverstone. I think even Breck and Meyer made like cameos on it sometimes. Yeah, Stacey Dash, I believe, was on it. Donald Actually, on. I might be wrong, but I want to say Breck and Meyer may have came back to the show as a different character. Weird. Just as like a tongue in cheek thing. Yeah. But maybe they recast his character. I don't know. But they had a weird spinoff TV series. And then now you see Alicia Silverstone reprising her role in commercials. We talked about that. Was it last or the week before? Now, like these popular movies from 30 years ago, now they're doing commercials about yeah. them. So, Jim, uh, you're number four. Lethal Weapon, Gary Busey, Mr. Fucking Joshua. Mr. Yeah. And like we, I talked about it last night. I sent you a text. It's so weird seeing Busey in this role. And I asked you, I was like, was this post-accident? He had an accident in, what was it, 88, but then he yeah. had a cocaine overdose. In 95. Which I think, and you showed so 80, the movie. So yeah, so in 88, oh, yeah. he had an accident where he suffered brain damage. And then, but like, let's lead you up to this. He was Mr. Joshua in Amazing. 87. Yeah. He's awesome. He gets the, the car accident, has brain damage, does Predator 2 in 90. Yep, Danny Glover. Point Break in 91. Great. Under Siege in 92. Excellent. The Firm in 93. Oh, The Firm. There we go. And then does Rookie of the Year. Weird. I had to. And then... <laughs> I- <laughs> uh, surviving the game in 94 awesome yeah that's the one with ice tea yeah yeah drop, the human hunt drop zone in 94 and then does black sheep in 96 sergeant drake savage who Which, pisses himself i like to think he got the role as drake savage because of his role in rookie of the year his face starts falling apart at a certain point in yeah. time and he then he starts remember what's the terminology well, is it in acronyms where he starts taking gotta live life like yeah. fist federal institution standard technique you know he would always he, do that shit so he he did also have a tumor removed from his nasal cavity. Hmm. So I wonder if that had something. I to wonder do if it face. did, but it's a weird trajectory. But yeah. Mr. Joshua, Jesus Christ, what a fucking good yeah, baddie. That's awesome. And then under siege, another great baddie. Mm-hmm. Number three for me, D2, Mighty Ducks 2, oh, yeah. Cologne Jacobson as Julie the Cat Gaffney. D2 is the best Mighty Ducks movie. By far. Came out in 94. I saw it in theaters. Been a while since I watched it, but. The Junior Goodwill games. That needs to change when we covered on here. The Mighty Ducks franchise just makes no sense. It derailed so the quick. The first movie, they're like a neighborhood hockey team. District 5. District 5 neighborhood hockey team. The second movie, they're Team USA. Right off the bat. Makes no sense. They add like four players, but otherwise everyone on the Ducks, they, they just won some local league and then they got to be Team and USA. And then Gordon Bombay is God's gift to coaching. And then in three, they I go to boarding it. school. I saw three once, hated it. I don't mind it that much. It's just, you can't go backwards. Then they did. You know what I mean? You can't have them be Team USA, but then be JV at this like private yeah. school. And then they're shit on for being Team USA. I think they literally get shit on in that movie. I think you had to, that's a, special scene that you had to pay extra for on OnlyFans. So my third one, granted he was uncredited. So Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, John yes. Candy. John Candy has one of the most amazing CVs when it comes to movies and he died in 94. Yeah. Which is so sad because he was literally, he's larger than life. 
he had Oscars. Like, God, you know what it. I mean? Like, there are Oscars that he would have won. Yeah. Because he was just that talented and that great. And it, it's like the types of, like, in planes, trains, and automobiles, basically, Tear when jerker. he did, you know, the serious stuff, it was so, like that type of thing happens now. Yeah. And it's like money. Well, it's like Robin know? Williams doing serious yeah. stuff. It was like, wow. But that scene, and it will stick with me for probably the best scenes in movie history when he's sitting. Spoiler alert. I don't like if you haven't fucking seen yeah. Planes, Trains, and Models, but that's your problem. Watch it this Thanksgiving. Exactly. When he's sitting in a train station, Steve Martin's character comes back, Neil, and he goes, Dell, why are you still here? And he's like, while Neil's on the train, he starts putting two to two in together because he keeps talking about his wife kind of in a retrospective type way. He comes back and he goes, Dell, why are you still here? He's like, you know, my wife's been dead for six years and he's been homeless and he's just been yep. trying to meet people to keep his life going. And, you know, he doesn't ever want to intrude on anybody. And they had this big blowout. John, Candy had that ability to connect to whoever was watching him. Like that scene was a tearjerker. You always hear that stuff about when he was in a home alone. He basically took that for rate. Yeah. And he made up all of his lines when he was in the Kenosha oh, yeah. Kickers. I can't remember his character's name, Gus something. I might be wrong, but it was just friends of John Candy. He's like, hey, you don't have to pay me anything. They just paid him like $450 yeah. and gave him a free meal. He's like, I'll do this. He just seemed like that type well, of guy. Granted, we didn't know John Candy. To but- me, yeah, to me, the ultimate, like, uh, it's not irony, but like in the movie, he is, he sells like shower hooks, like shower curtain hooks. Shower curtain rings. Del Griffith. Yeah, Del Griffith. He sells shower curtain rings. John Candy is the dude who could have truly sold Oh yeah, you know, like shower curtain rings, like that just, scene in the the bus station when he's telling like, "Girl, this is a mood ring. These are very light earrings," yeah. and he's doing it. Yeah, he's awesome. Number two for me, go back to Gary Busey. Point Break is Pappas, oh, amazing. Nineteen ninety one, one of the greatest action movies of all time. Utah. Give me two. A movie that every time I watch, I notice more ways that it inspired the Fast and Furious franchise. The first Fast and Furious movie is basically a point break remake where they replace surfing with street racing and bank robbing with VCR heists. That would be a waste of time. There you go. I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, Point Break's incredible movie. Yeah. Give it a watch and then... We covered it. And then watch... Shit, maybe we should do a deep end where we we cover Point Break, but maybe we should revisit it. Do Point Break versus the first Fast and Furious movie. Oh my God. I'd be so torn. Because it's like the same movie. I'm surprised you could have done so much more with Point Break and it could have went off on a tangent. It was, I guess it was just ahead of its time. As Kevin said, we did cover it. So my number two, going with Daniel Stern. Now you're thinking, okay. Oh, please pick Bushwhacked. I picked Bushwhacked. Yes. I'm not picking Home Alone. That's the obvious yeah, one to go Home to. Home Alone was very, like, I was like, I'm not even putting Home Alone on here because. Why was Bushwhacked not more popular? Why did it not win an Oscar? I'm not saying it, it could have won a fucking Rassi for all I know, but. I like Bushwhacked. Oh, yeah. It's Daniel fun. Stern was fucking perfect in yeah. Bushwhacked. They go on this uh, Boy Scout. Isn't like, he a robber? Or yeah, something like he's that? like a criminal and he ends up accidentally leading like a Boy Scout troop, troop in the mountains. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I really enjoy it. So I had to do Bushwhacked. Perfect. My number one, John Candy, Little Shop of Horrors. He plays Wink Wilkinson, one of my all time favorite movies. John Candy, barely in it, but it gives me a reason to talk about yeah. it. This, of course, 1986 version based 
based off the off-Broadway musical, horror movie, amazing cast, Rick Moranis, Steve Martin again, mm-hmm. Ellen Green's incredible, Tisha Campbell's in it. There's just like a bunch of a bunch of people. It's so good. John Candy plays weird Wink Wilkinson. It works out. And radio host. John Candy was so fucking versatile. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I just, so unfortunate that he passed because there was so much more left yeah. in the tank. Well, it, it is sad too that like he ended on, was it Wagons East? Wagons East. It's like all of a and sudden it seemed now like his number career one started Wagons going. East. Yeah, it's sad. So my number one. I just said it, it's Wagons East, right? No, it's not Wagons East. I'm for, I already did John Candy. Who is it? Richard Lewis. He wasn't do, in this. You could do two. Nah, that's all right. God, I should. Well, my number one, it's Thomas E. And Nicholas. And what did you think? You think I'm going to pick American Pie? No. Obvious. American Pie 2. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was better in American Pie 2. But it's Thomas E. Nicholas. He doesn't really have much. I like him in one. I don't even remember what he does in two. Was he in a scream? I don't think so. He was in, I think, in some fucking horror movie, maybe. I don't some know. Some fucking horror movie. So, and I, apparently they're going to be doing a fifth American Pie movie because I guess everybody wants to get in on it. They want to get in on the paycheck. Uh, first but... off, after they should end okay. after two. Thomas E. Nicholas was in Radio Flyer, so you could have picked that. Never saw it, though. Are you kidding? Never saw it. Oh, man. Never saw it. We need to cover that. He was in Halloween Resurrection. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. That was the reality TV show Halloween. Yeah. That's what Katie Sackhoff did. He played Bill Woodlake. Great name, Bill yeah. Woodlake. His career, I kind of. his filmography. Oh, he's in Chicago 8, though. Oh, that's right. I saw that. That's pretty cool. He that's played Abby cool. Hoffman. Oh, that's fucking right. I forgot that he played Abby Hoffman. But American Pie 2, I'm taking that. It should have ended after American Pie 2. Then they did American Wedding. What's his name? Chris Klein didn't want to do it anymore. Then they're like, oh, come back in 2012. We'll do American Reunion. It's fucking awful. And now they want to do a fifth American Pie. What is it going to be? Who the hell knows? Kids, right? We talked about this. They already started having kids in the last one. We talked about this when we... God, that was over 10 years ago now. When we covered... Which American Pie? The first one. We covered the first one. We we talked about what the next one could be. I think it was like kids. Yeah. I mean, what else? Or their grandparents in their Um, 40s. All right. Some honorable mentions. Quiz show had Bruce Altman. Great. We covered it. Up in the air had Amy Morton as Kara Bingham. She plays uh, George Clooney's wife. That movie's fucking awesome. Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, yeah. Dan Hadaya. He had a mask on and everything. Great White Hype, Albert Hall. Another was, movie we have to Roper's cover. manager. Merlo Broham. Neil Flynn was in Fugitive. He played a traffic cop. Came out in 93, same year. Home Alone, Daniel Stern's a wet bandit. John Candy's also in Home Alone, so you could have done uh, yeah. you know, two bases. Neil Flynn also was uh, Caddy Heron's dad in Mean Girls. Really? Yeah. Okay. Neil Flynn's in that. Neil Flynn's awesome on Scrubs as one of the great jokes. Stop uh, making Fetch happen. Yeah, stop trying to make Fetch happen. All right, well, that was fun. Let's get Get back. Let's uh, start our, our motor on our shitty boat and get back in the league. Kevin, you got to get back in the game. You have to. All right. Critical question. This one's. Oh, I have a, this is going to go off the rails. What is Henry's life following the events of the movie? We need to explain this. Makes no logical sense. So from what I ascertained from watching this movie, kid becomes a Chicago Cub. Nobody in his school or anywhere in his community is, seems to be fucking impressed that no. he's like a Chicago he's Cub not whatsoever. Famous. Not even famous. Even in his own school. He's in the cafeteria trying to talk to Julie the Cat Gaffney. Nobody. The kids would be fucking en masse yes. coming up to yeah. him. Tell us about the Cubs. Oh my God, you know yeah, him? She 
basically asks him, like, what have you been up to? And he doesn't even say. He should have looked and said, bitch, what do you think okay, I've been so doing? So after, so he retires from baseball. He At goes 12. Back, he goes back to playing Little League. Outfielder. Chet Stedman's his new stepdad. We assume they get married. Don't you think adult dads would be hounding Chet Stedman, the yeah. Little League baseball coach? No. Nope. I do. But what do you think happens to Henry following the final scene of the movie? What is his life? Does he just grow up to be an engineer? What do you think? So he's got to have some sort of money put aside, right? You think his mom kind of take took no, over from Jack? I think we're going to... That's I mean, that's a big logic Okay, thing. so I have a logic issue. He was making the league rookie minimum. It was $109,000. Pretty good. So Pretty good, yeah. but not like life-changing money. Yeah. So I will go. I think you're a little stumped. So I will go and I will say, I think Henry becomes an E! True Hollywood story. He peaked at 12, oh. winning the NLCS. And I think he, he won the World Series. Well, he didn't. He retired. But he got a ring. He got a ring for being on the team. Okay. But he didn't play. He's done after the after the game. Yeah, that's true. He's so, not going to pitch anymore. Yeah. I think he grows up to pawn his World Series ring. Oh, drugs. I think he, I don't know it's drugs, but I think he just, he peaked at 12. You think he becomes like the Unabomber? <laughs> I, he lives I, in a hut in Montana I, or something? I, I don't, maybe he's like a QAnon. I don't know. Oh, I just, fuck. I just, I don't know. I mean, yeah. what? He peaked at 12. His life is not going to get better than, I mean, maybe he has like kids and a wife, whatever, but yeah. like, it doesn't get better than at 12 years old, you have a World Series ring. Yeah, and you were a Chicago Cub. Your dad, your your stepdad's Chet Stedman. Like, <laughs> yeah. so he's got money. Definitely. So he doesn't really need to work or have like a hardworking. And there was definitely commercial opportunities. You know, he got endorsement deals. Yeah. He did Pepsi. He did the Pepsi ad, which we didn't talk about. Yeah. From the top, everybody. A more smoke. Playback. You, you know, know when it's right. You know when you feel it, baby. You hold it. You hear it. Yeah, I just I think he ends up kind of having a silver spoon a little bit because, you know, he's he's spending that fat Chet Stedman money. You think he could have used some of that money and maybe bought a fucking boat for his friends? Well, <laughs> let's move to logic because something else he could have bought. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Hey, Rowan Garner, give me that goddamn boat, okay? Why is he wearing jeans? The oh. rest of the team is wearing oh. baseball pants. Yeah. And Henry's playing outfield in jeans. I also found it annoying that during batting practice, he's in full gear. Does he not have a fucking warm-up jersey or something? I, I don't know. I, I just don't know why he's wearing jeans. Like, every other kid on the team has baseball pants. And maybe yeah. they just wanted to do it so in the wide shots you could tell it was Henry. But I'm like, you don't have money to wear? Or, like, are you just, like, hot shit? Like, Listen, I'm Henry Rowan Gardner. I get to wear jeans. He has a normal suburban home in Chicago. They have the money to provide yeah. that. They actually need the money for a fucking washer because I've never seen a washer with like a smaller porthole <laughs> in my life. That wasn't even real to me. Uh, this movie missed an opportunity and I really believe this. They missed an opportunity to show Henry having trouble with other everyday activities. So like his arms tight, we see him hit the doctor in the face and break the doctor's nose, the funky butt loving scene. And now rotate from the shoulder slowly. Oh! 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 Oh!
clunky butt loving. Oh. But like we never see Henry have trouble with anything else. No. Like what if he like went to I don't know somebody like handed him his bag and he throw and he accidentally throws it. Yeah. Or like what if he's trying to like open the window on the team bus and he's like slamming the window. It's weird why we didn't get any of those campy things. None though, of them. Which is weird. We just like literally they established that his arm is too tight by punching the doctor in the face, throwing the ball from the outfield to home plate. From then on out, he can just pitch. There's no other scenes. I think the team bus one would be funny because like, what if somebody on the team was like, Henry, there's too much wind or it's too hot in here. Put the window down. And he tries to put the window down and he just like, it shatters. Yeah. I think that would have been funny. As somebody who was injured multiple times as a child who didn't want to listen, there is no fucking way that a doctor is going to put your arm in a cast like that. I know. There's no reason for his arm to be in an L position in a cast. That shit's going to be bent and down to your side. There is absolutely well, no way. And, and your tendons are not going to be tight. And after then the that. scene when they are crossing the street to go to the game. Yeah. It's so obvious that he's just holding it up. Like you can see it kind of like there's not some bar coming from. And there would be, there would be because otherwise how would it stay like that? And what's with the sound of his tendons, like fucking super tight. We get it, but no doctor in her right mind is going to set a cast like that. There's no way. Plus he should still be able to rotate his shoulder because it doesn't go over his entire shoulder. It literally just cuts off at the arm. So he can literally put it down. He can put it in his lap. So he's a fucking idiot. He's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's that fucking sack of shit. Hi, Henry. When he walks by and it's up in the air. Yeah. How do the Cubs win the World Series? Henry retires, but if it, even if he hadn't, he doesn't have the arm anymore. I, Rockets obviously hurt as evidenced by the guitar solo sound. <laughs> How long ago was he an actual rocket? I want to know. So how do they win? We don't see any of the other pitchers. Normally your pitching rotations, like five guys. Yeah. They're down two pitchers yeah. down. They're probably their, their ace. I don't know that Henry's their ace, but like, he's almost like a relief pitcher. Yeah. That's they're it. down two pitchers. We only see Chet, him and one other dude. Yeah. That's it. They Maybe they three. trade for Trigger all. I wish they bring that. And that's Trigger how they off. win the world series. Trigger all called Hato. And then is it Hato or Hito? I keep calling it both. I don't know. He's both. Tito. Biggest logic point. He becomes a Chicago Cub. All right, let's see. How the fuck? I understand you're drawing two to 300 people. There's labor laws. I'm yeah. sorry. This kid is never going to be a Chicago Cub. If anything, hey, we're going to nurse this kid. If he has ability, we'll put him in like a, a deep minor league system or something. We'll watch him grow. You're not going to give this kid millions off the bat to be a fucking professional baseball player. Well, I actually think they kind of explain that one. Like, it's the biggest. It's a gimmick. Yeah, gimmick. Exactly. If Titan tendons could allow you to do this, isn't that something you could achieve medically, like in a surgical procedure? Yeah, tighten my fucking tendons. Like, couldn't they just, (laughs) couldn't they open your arm and tighten your tendons and then make you do this? Hey, I can do weird shit with my body. I can make my left knee bend back farther. I look like I'm from the arrival. I was saying, like, the arrival. Yeah. Here's another one. It's not really logic, but it, oh, it kind of is. So when Henry comes home from his little league game at the beginning, clearly light out, it's afternoon. He goes down in the basement, starts doing laundry in the world's smallest washer yes. I've ever seen. When he comes back upstairs, completely dark outside. Oh. How long was he in that fucking basement throwing little soap pockets into the goddamn soap wa- pocket? Pocket. Is that a soap pocket? Kirby pocket. 
He's throwing Kirby bucket shaped soap into a washing machine. I just said, okay, the kid's been down there for at least five hours. So this movie is not necessarily short. It's no. not. It's not like it's an hour and 15. It's like an hour 45. Which is shocking. But even being an hour 45, they're missing a lot of scenes. And one scene in particular that they're missing is, again, Henry would be the most recognizable person in the world. He is a 12-year-old professional baseball player who has done a Pepsi ad. Oh, yeah. And like with Ray Charles voice, but we don't see like a single scene of nope. him getting mo- We see one scene where the press he's on the people mover in the airport. Is that when they go to the, the party the first? I know it's a start of the road trip. Okay. So start of the road trip. We see them on the people mover. Press is trying to take photos. We not once see anybody like, Oh my God, it's Henry Roengard. The press would be outside of his fucking school. Yes. He, and that's another thing. There's a logic issue. God, why after he, he starts playing baseball does he also need to go back to school there's no need for he him literally to. plays professional baseball and then goes back to school it's like uh, he would get it the team would provide him a tutor and like i told you nobody in the school seems to give a shit that he's a fucking chicago cub yes right here's another one so when we see henry and his friends go to the cubs game after he uh gets out of the cast catches a home run ball throw it back throw it back so he throws it the 430 feet all the way to yeah home base why does the catcher actively go for a tag yes. and the umpire right. rules him saying it's already a home run it's a dead ball yeah and you can't have a fucking fan influence a game it's, it is one of those examples of when somebody makes a sports movie and doesn't understand the rules of baseball the sport. it's like in big green it always used to drive me crazy where every time there's never saw it like a pen you never saw the big green no i never I don't know if it's a penalty kick or free kick. They do it in ladybugs too. Yeah, that's right. They just start dribbling. Like there's a scene with Penny where it's like free kick and Penny just starts dribbling. No, that's illegal. As soon as you touch it the second time, you're You're done. You're done. Exactly. I've never seen someone slip on something and then shoot seven feet into the air. I've fallen on shit. I've never done that before. No, I don't got a shooting star press. You exactly. Like if you slipped on a baseball, you would maybe fall on your back or or maybe stumble and fall in your face. Yeah. Henry somehow launches seven feet vertically into the air before falling down. So here's another thing. And it brings up to the Jack character. Who's a fucking idiot. Why does the general manager of the Chicago Cubs empower his mom's boyfriend of three weeks yes. to be his manager? Also the GM actively openly bashes his own pitcher in the crowd during a game. Yeah. We need to talk about this GM. Let's unbox stuff. A GM can't just tell a random person who's not even associated with the kid. I mean, he's seen his mom for three fucking weeks. They established that you're going to be his manager. Oh my God. Yeah. No, his mom should be. Yeah. She is his fucking parent. Okay. What is with the GM and how does the owner Roy Wally from Wally world, Mr. Duncan, he's so oblivious to his own franchise. Yeah. How? Right. Well, he's has the team been sold or it's being passed down. Is it a fucking an escrow at this rate? It makes no sense. Yeah. Here's a two part one. Why does Henry's mom lie to him about his dad? Like what's the benefit? She lets him grow up believing his dad was this baseball player to the point where he even says it at a press conference. Yeah. Like, well, my dad was a pitcher, but then you find out what a pansy he's been using a girl's glove this whole time. Yeah. That's what it, why is it such a bad thing that his mom was a great baseball player? Why didn't she just let him grow up believing because his dad walked out on him when he found 
found out she was pregnant. It's a deadbeat. And I'm pretty sure she hints that she was a teenage mom. Yeah. Because I she think says that's like what back we when we were teenagers and she's like, your dad walked out, but she's wh- in her thirties here. Right. You would have said, yeah. yeah but okay. why doesn't she just tell Henry? Like I was the baseball player. I was a Rockford peach. Yeah. Like you're fucking yes. something. Why I, are you embarrassed by but that? She, but so Henry, he's on the mound. He peels the piece of tape off the glove and he sees Mary. Mary. And he realizes there's another thing. Why didn't, why wouldn't the team just give him a new glove? He's using his mom's, <laughs> Old glove. 20 year old glove. But then his mom, they're having a conversation Visually. from the mound. From a distance. It's and she's hey, in the crowd. Yeah. That's right. what it, it really is. is. And he's like, It was you? And she's like, Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was me. me. It was me. And then I'm like, Can we have Henry Mouth? Oh, fuck. wouldn't the broadcasters <laughs> be like, Well, Henry's talking to someone in the crowd. But then she goes, Float it. Float, float it. So wouldn't it be hilarious if he floated it? And then Hato hit like a 585 foot home run. Or hit it right in his mom's face. <laughs> so boom. Hato hits the biggest home run in history. I don't get it. And why, why is the team so fucking cheap? Like we have a scene where we finally have Chet bonding with Henry, like a de facto stepfather. He has his friends out on the field. She couldn't go to the equipment room, get a baseball bat out and a real ball. Instead, they're pantomiming a baseball, yeah. running the bases. He's your number one player. You can't have his friends play a fucking little I know. game. Oh. In, the, in Wrigley Field, not Wrigley. Yeah, Wrigley Field. Yeah. Come on. When mom gives them Cubs tickets for cast off day, it's like the greatest thing in world history. But three 12 year old children or about that unattended, take the train into Chicago by themselves yep. and mom doesn't go or anything. Henry and his friends just run them out in Chicago. Actively yelling. We're going to the Cubs. Game. We're going to the Cubs. Game. Yeah. We got tickets. We're going to the Cubs. Yeah. Game. Granted, if they're drawing two to 300 people, it's like we have scrappers tickets. Like, yeah. That shit away to everybody. Right. My last one. And it's at the end of the game in the division title game goes back the owner again, Mr. Roy Wally, Mr. Duncan, whatever his name is in this movie. Why is the owner paying for hot dogs? Hot dogs. Yeah, four hot dogs, please. Right, sir, come right up. Here you are. Thank you. Thank you very much. What are you kidding, Mac? You're 11 bucks short. They're three bucks a piece. Three dollars for a hot dog? Yeah. Why does he not know the price of his own concessions? And why does the hot dog guy not realize he's the owner of the team? So strike one, strike two, strike three. Three dollars? You set the prices, buddy. Come on, give him dogs. And first off, you're only going to eat one hot dog? What the fuck is wrong with you? You'd have a problem. Minimum three hot dogs. At three bucks a hot dog, give me five. (laughs) I get that the other Cubs players think Henry's a publicity stunt, but they're all such dicks to him. Like, it's not his fault. Also, yeah. uh, again, I know it's a publicity stunt, but like Henry gets to skip the minor leagues, as you said. Like, yeah. so Henry shows up in the locker room. And he's like, hey, hey, guys. Hey, hi. And he's, Chet Stedman. he's naming all. And like uh, he asked Chet Stedman to sign a baseball for him. And he's like, could you sign it, Rocket? I don't have to. <laughs> but why are they all so like mean? It's not his fault. And I also find it weird that, okay, he finds his locker and he's standing there. All the dudes are in their towels. Yeah. Why does he feel dick shamed? I, I know. They're not naked. No. Like he's staring at their groins and then he looks into his groin. I'm like, you're not looking at their dicks, man. What are we doing? It is weird for the other guys, though, that 
there's like a 12 year old boy in the locker room. First uh, off, if I were those guys, I'd be changing in the shower. Don't there's a 12 year old yes, kid right like, there. I don't want to do that. Weird. In the division championship final game of season, whatever we're calling it. Yeah. Stedman goes down at the end of the sixth. Henry came on in relief to pitch the seventh, eighth, and ninth. So nine total outs. The last batter that Stedman faced was not Hito. Yeah, so either Hito was either a pinch hitter. Hito has to be a pinch hitter because of his size. Or he would have been the last batter that Stedman faced. So, but why would you bring him on as a pinch hitter in the last game of the season unless there's stakes for the Mets as well? So there has to be stakes. Then why didn't they explain it? Why didn't they be like, whoever wins this game, the Mets or the Cubs goes to the World Series? All right, we're turning the movie in. What's your runtime? Hour 46. Uh-oh. Has to be hour 45. What are we going to cut? Cut the Hato scene where they're talking about his viability and what he means for the Mets. Cut it. All right. Sorry, Hato. And then why would Henry wear his World Series ring to a little league game? My dick's bigger than your dick. Look I, at the I mean, he, the jeans already were bold. Everybody uh, else wearing baseball pants. Henry's wearing jeans. Robs the home run and then holds up the World Series ring. Why would you allow him to wear that? The owner, the clueless owner that doesn't know about hot dogs, you would think he seems so grateful to Henry. Yeah. Like, Henry, I'm going to pay for your little league team to get all new uniforms. You guys are going to look great. Chat's going to coach a team. We'll give you whatever you need. You think he could have just helped them out? So there was the alternative path. So for the critical question, I asked, what's Henry's life after the final scene? You would, you could almost make an argument for, but Mr. Duncan from Home Alone, he's stepping down as the owner. So I think they're getting new ownership. Otherwise, Henry could be brought on like as an ambassador role of the Cubs. Yeah, why not? So they could put him in the front office and he's like a team ambassador. I mean, I think that would be a pretty fair trade-off. And we kind of get like an inferred line from the Cubs manager saying to Stedman, hey, I want to get this before you become the coach of yeah. the team. So I'm thinking, boy, that would make sense if Stedman yeah, ended up being right. the coach of the it's Cubs. It's like Jake Taylor in Major League. Jake Taylor or he looks like fucking Lou Brown and yeah. sounds like <laughs> Lou Brown anyways. I love this shit. I would, why not? Yeah. What's the legacy of this movie? It's the weirdest Gary Busey movie. It really is. But this this was a, a cable staple in the oh, in the 90s. Like it's on TBS every and, day. And uh, I don't know where they all fell timeline-wise. Didn't we talk about Angels in the Outfield? Was that last week? That because last they had week. the insane cast with like McConaughey and Adrian Brody and all these people. It's nuts. So this Angels in the Outfield, which I don't even remember Angels in the Outfield. I had it on VHS as a kid. I remember that. And the kid who stars in it, isn't that the same kid who played Jimmy Woods in The Wizard? Isn't that Luke Edwards, I believe? I thought the kid was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, was it JGL? I, I don't, I don't I know. I might be wrong. We could be wrong. Maybe could we'll have to cover that too. Could be another baseball fucking I have to cover that. But like... Wizard baseball. So you... <laughs> Wizard baseball. Love it. Rookie of the year. Angels in the outfield. Major league. I mean, there was like a huge influx oh, yeah. of... Baseball movies have always been a thing, obviously. Especially if Kevin Costner's the in it. The natural. Any of the Kevin Costner ones. Like going back. Eight men out with Charlie Sheen. But like, this was like a different era of baseball movies. I'll have to look. Why don't you go ahead, give us the plugs, and I'm going to look see when Angels in the Outfield came out. You know when it's right. You know when you feel it, baby. You hold it. You hear it. You taste it. It's right. You got the right one, baby. Passably colorful and intimately soulful. You got the right one, baby. Uh-huh.
pool sceners once again thank you for listening to this episode of the show and don't forget as always like comment subscribe rate and follow apple spotify and podbean you leave us a five-star review and we read it on the air we'll send you out a bit of a prize also don't forget check us out on facebook instagram and twitch you guys are unsure how to get there we have a one-stop shop now and it's called linktree l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash pool scene podcast if you guys would like to contribute to the show in any way help for future content maybe even put it towards a cup of coffee for us there is a link at the top of the link tree that will send you to basically a tip jar we love you guys and thank you once again and now Back to Kevin. Final app guy. How much is a hot dog? Yeah! The final lap! All right, Angels in the Outfield, which was a remake, but the one we're talking about came out in 1994, in July specifically. But get this, $31 million budget, $50 million box office. Take a look real quick. Was it JGL or was it Luke Edwards? It was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay, I don't know why I thought Luke Edwards. Roger Bowman. Okay. I don't understand, though. Like, how did Rookie of the Year make so much money? Yeah. I got to do some forensics at this point, because how did Rookie of the Year make so much money? I think I know why. 93, Rookie of the Year came out and the Sandlot came out in 93. I think the Sandlot Sandlot came out first, then this. But then why didn't Angels of the Outfield make any money? I don't know. Maybe people are over it. I mean, Sandlot for me is the ultimate, like, beyond amazing. Not Sandlot. Sandlot. And there was a fucking Sandlot. I think there's more than two. I think there's like 17. It's like American Pie. Like, there was the Naked Mile, and Jim's dad is probably Smalls' dad or something like that. All right. So, Jim, I think you've got something for us. So, in honor after every spoiler cast for the next couple episodes we track the movie's progress to see how it's doing so we're a week on from watching the clusterfuck that was fast x hope you guys enjoyed the spoiler cast i'm sorry if some of you were disappointed you expect us to put fast x number one on our list ain't happening maybe fast 11 will be tried and true so far as of recording may the 31st 2023 fast x has now made 520.2 million dollars so it did roughly another hundred and a little bit over the Memorial Day weekend. I said 650. I might be a little short. I don't think it's going to get a billion. Maybe in actuality, it gets to about 750. Well, now you've got Little Mermaid out yeah. and something else that's out. So there's competition yeah. involved. And now we're getting into the summer movie oh, season yeah, on top of it. Season. Oh, yeah. So Independence uh, Day 3. Come on. <laughs> no. Do right. Do we, right. We saw Moonfall, and I think that <laughs> explains why Independence Day 3. Fuck the moon. The only thing I want to mention is AI and deep fakes have gone too far. Way, way too I far. I mean, it is, it's getting out of control, but I haven't seen them for myself, but I was reading today that basically through AI, because like you sent me the uh, Frank Sinatra singing, what was it? Frank Sinatra singing Wonderwall or something. Yeah. It was like, it was some, you know, where AI creates Frank Sinatra's voice, voice and has him sing something. Sounds just like it. It does. It really sounds yeah. real. So with using that same sort of technology, they have made AI videos of famous children who have been murdered telling their story of their murder. Like, so like a true crime sort of podcast from their perspective being told by like John Benet Ramsey or See, I'm not the biggest proponent of definitely. I mean, censorship. No, no, no. But it comes to a point where somebody needs to step in and yes. say, 
no. Well, with the, there's like we allowed this stuff to grow too fast without making like governing because like the internet, for example, has still in this country been the wild wild west. Oh yeah. I mean, internet access goes back to when we were in middle school and prodigy internet dial up. And there's not. I I don't want censorship or on the regulation or regulation, like but but it is the wild wild west. So like if I wanted to, Frank Sinatra's perfect example. What if okay? So there used to be that joke. Uh, it wasn't a joke, I guess. It was a real scenario, but there was uh, some rumor or linked that Jamie Foxx was going to play Frank Sinatra, and people were losing their mind because they were like, he can't play... white? Yeah, he can't play Frank, Frank Sinatra, and he said something like cool transcends colors, whatever it was. So, but here's the thing. If they wanted to make a movie about Frank Sinatra now, they could literally deep fake him. Deep fake Frank Sinatra in a movie put, where he plays himself. Yeah. There's enough footage, there's enough of his voice. They could AI and deep fake him and he could play himself in a movie. But what stops that? His family and his estate stop the release of the use of his rights. Yeah. But like John Benet Ramsey or another child murder victim, who stops? They don't have an estate. You know what I mean? They don't have lawyers protecting their likeness. Now, there was like a release of like a like a unity video this week between all the actors and the writers because of the writer strike. You know, it looks like it's going, well, they're already on strike, but they're going to green light it officially. Yeah. But one of their stand is they're in fear that movie companies will start deep faking these actors and using their likenesses in the movies. Yeah, right. And I guess Which the movie Gary, company... Gary Fisher. Exactly. The movie companies will say, well, that's not really you, so you don't... We're, yeah, not, we're right. not paying you for this because yes. you're not performing it. It's going to get to the point, what really scares me is when we get into literally like a real-life war situation, yeah. say if somebody oh, yes. fakes a video where a president or some gets yeah. assassinated, goes over the web... Well, the markets tank and next thing you know, we're at war because somebody deep faked the fucking video. I mean, Kim Jong-un's probably has Korea believing that he's assassinated every major leader exactly. in the world. Yeah. And that they're the most, which I mean, he does, they're isolated anyway. Well, North Korea has won the last 10 world. Cups, yes, exactly. So yeah, and he's, he shoots at 18 every time he golfs. But yeah, exactly. Like right now with, with Ukraine and Russia, I mean, Putin could be like, here's Zelensky's head. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got him. And, and the Kool-Aid like, drinkers will believe it. Yes. How do you substantiate those things? Yeah. I mean, because like right now, I I, I don't know. It, it just, there's a, a ton of scenarios that you could definitely envision on how bad and how big of a problem this could be. Big time. And we are, this is literally Skynet almost. And, and it's at the point even where it is literally so easy. It is so easy. It's like, it'd be one thing if it took like Imagineers to do this, you know, only oh, like yeah. the most technical, but like literally you could just like find an app, find a whatever a generator and and do this it's we'll do a podcast one week of our ai counterparts just conducting a whole podcast oh, yeah could you imagine well, that somebody who was that was just talking about as a joke their band released a song that was actually created by ai yeah and but literally as not a joke what's to stop metallica we like to pick on metallica yeah what's to stop metallica from pumping a bunch of their music what if they just said okay we're gonna teach this ai what we want this to sound like exactly and pump in whatever song 
songs they want into this AI generator and then say, write us a song that sounds like this. And, and then it's going to get to the point where the company that made that AI program is going to sue Metallica yes. for not getting the money for Which this. Would be ironic. How but ironic. What stops Metallica from releasing that as a real song? And then you have these colleges now coming out saying, hey, we need to make sure that you guys are not AIing your thesis. Yeah. Which or, they sorry. are. Thesis. And they are. They lost all our but they ne- there needs to be a line in the sand. So far, there hasn't even been Speaking a of Batista. F- exactly. And there hasn't been even a footprint in the sand. Something needs to happen soon or yes. none of us are going to believe what's real. But see, we've got ourselves into such a mess. And like there are a certain sect of people in this country who do not want regulation. Yeah. So the minute you're gee, like, I wonder who they yeah, are. The minute, the minute that the Red government, the minute that the government steps in and says, all right, AI shit's got to stop. Free speech. Liberal. Yeah. Taking our free speech away. It's like, yeah, it's not really free speech. And then this is going to be more and more of an issue every time an election yeah. comes around. Mm-hmm. They're using AI votes. <laughs> Yeah. The fucking AI voters. Well, one dude in Texas admitted that uh, Biden would have won Texas and Beto would have won Texas, but he suppressed mail-in ballots. That's what they do. So, I mean. They've made it so difficult to vote anymore. Yeah. Doesn't shock me. Wait till they AI Henry Roengartner or Hedo. <laughs> AI Hedo. He's dead, so. That's his first initials, AI Hedo. Rest <laughs> in peace. There you go. All right. And well, Trigger-ow. we don't know what we're doing next week. That's the excitement. Yeah, but. Uh, AI. That's what we're doing. I guess uh, there's only one thing you can do. You have to. It's close to midnight. Something evil's looking in the dark. Under the moonlight. You see a sight that almost stops your heart. You try to scream. Oh, but terror takes a sound before you make it. Yeah, you start to freeze As horror looks you right between your eyes You all paralyze Cause this is thriller, thriller night And no one's gonna save you from the beast about the strike You know it's thriller, thriller night You're fighting for your life inside of jailer thriller.